1: Welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Amir Farrell, with my co-host, Jordan Lopez, and today's special guest, the one and only Mario Vitanze. Super excited to have you on the show today, man, Uh, a.k.a. Mile High Mario, as most of you guys know him. He is a big member of the Denver Broncos community, has interacted with numerous, numerous Denver Broncos players over the years. We couldn't be more excited to have you on the show. Mario, how are you doing, man? And do you want to give people a little bit of uh, a gist of what you do for a living?
0: I, first of all thank you so much for having me as soon as you guys started you know asking people that i knew to be on the show you know like patrick Coyote and tim patrick i don't know if you were just running through the patricks and i was like when I, they 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 know me right and it, I, 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 like i lost my mile high mario account on twitter right it's like oh maybe maybe they don't know that it's still me because there's so many people that like don't put two and two together they're like, yeah, I was wondering what happened to your other account, but uh, no, I'm for real. I'm so excited. I'm glad that you guys had me on, and shoot, I'm 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 ready to get into whatever you guys want to get into, and uh, I'm gonna let Patrick Keohane know that our show that we're about to do is gonna be like ten times better than the show that he did. Like I know he's doing his thing with Chris Harris, and that's all that's all well and good, but I'm running circles around him today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, he covers for pad. That's that's hilarious. Man, that was a really you, good. <laughs> that was, that was a really good episode we had with him uh, a few weeks ago talking about. That was like literally right after the Nuggets won the championship, so it was like a perfect time. Um, and then now, like, uh, he, obviously he's a, a Trailblazers fan. So Damian Lillard requested a trade. That would be hilarious to have him back on the show and uh, kind of talk about what he thinks about that. I'm sure he's not. He he says he's not too
0: bothered by it, but we all know he's uh, shedding tears over there. But oh, no, I, all he's- the. All, he can't cope dude no if you guys have him back on the show he's gonna have the black and white uh filter on it like he's gonna have some emo depressive shirt you know he's he's gonna grow out the top part of his hair and do the emo comb over so it's covering (laughs) his eye and he's just gonna be sitting there like I'm not depressed I'm not I'm not sad I'm not upset I'm fine Damian Lillard didn't win a championship with us anyway or some crazy shit (laughs)
1: oh my god that needs to be clipped that's hilarious (laughs) all all love to our friend uh pat coyote over there man seriously oh of course Um, that's my little brother i love it (laughs) all the time so uh let's let's go ahead and uh, jump into things so first i just want to ask you obviously like i mentioned um uh well first before we go ahead and jump into things you guys want to tell uh you want to tell like the people the listeners what you do for a living uh what makes uh mario mario baton's a mile high mario
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, it was just, it was one of those things, like, I started off trying to, like, do podcasts and have a radio and show and stuff, like, 10, 12 years ago, and this was before Twitter was, like, really Twitter, and then, like, well before Twitter started to suck, Uh, but I was like, well, I I was working at Mile High Sports, and my name is Mario, and I just kind of strung them together as, like, Mile High Mario, and I like to think that I started a trend because after I had my Mile High Mario account, there were a lot of Mile High, you know, fill in the blank. And I'm sure that's not the case, but that's what I tell myself. So, yeah, that's kind of where, like, the whole Mile High Mario moniker came from. And it's, like, just a shot-out version of, like, like, how I feel about the team and, like, how I really am, right? It's almost like WWE. So that's kind of how, like, that whole that whole deal got started. But, no, I'm a, I'm a body worker. I specialize in trigger point therapy, uh, myofascial release. I do cupping, uh, body balancing, grasping. uh, Really anything that somebody needs to like get their body feeling better. So uh, before he passed, my dad was a chiropractor for almost 50 years and had been working on Bronco players since like the late 70s, early 80s. So Otis Armstrong and Rick Upchurch were the first Bronco players that he ever worked on. And that'll tell you like how long he had been doing it. And I, I don't want to say that I inherited it because I definitely had to to work for it. Right. So when I started doing my thing and we were working in the same office and I would ask him like, you know, what if a Bronco player comes in and like gets worked on by me and I don't do a good job? You know, what if they don't like it? And he said, they're just not going to see you. He's like, I'm not going to tell them to see you. Like if you're good, they'll see you. If you suck, they're not going to come see you. And that was about eight or nine years ago. And so thankfully they're, they're still seeing me. And you know, I do, I, I travel on the road for a, for a handful of the guys like i you know travel independently but we'd go on road trips and uh uh you know i'll do house calls for some guys some guys come to the office they come to the house like literally wherever whenever like we Shakira this thing no matter what that's a shakira song right <laughs> wherever whenever <laughs> come on
1: guys uh, i have. No, i'm not, not actual. <laughs> i don't really know anything about shakira um, i know i usually listen on mute
2: <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> oh, my God.
1: that's hilarious that's hilarious um but yeah so uh obviously like you mentioned you uh, you've met a lot of broncos players i know i've seen uh, uh you know photos and stuff and by the way of course i know who mile my mile high mario is i mean come on now everybody knows who mile high mario is but uh <laughs> but so- they don't know what, what are-
0: happened to him
1: <laughs> oh, yeah <laughs> We need. We need to figure out how to get your username back somehow, some way. Wait, I don't. I don't know. It would, it would be threads. awesome.
0: It's back on threads. Like this is why. That's true. This is why. Like to me now threads is superior because after like seven, eight months of, of, you know, trying to build back my, my following and everything that I did. And honestly, guys, like, I'm going to be frank with you. I don't really care about the followers. I love the interaction. I, and I like, I like giving people information, right? I don't, I could care less if I have 200 followers or 200,000 followers. Like to me, it doesn't matter. But the reason that I was so upset that I lost my account, and I'm sure you guys are familiar with this. I did a lot of fundraisers. Like I've raised like close to $25,000 in the last couple of years for assorted charities. And that was like my platform, right? Like that was what I used my platform for. And so it sucks that I had to like build my name back and kind of build my followers back to try and help with that. But I'll never forget when it got suspended, I was right smack dab in the middle of a, uh, of a fundraiser. And then I couldn't get the word out. And so, of course, you know, I I fell short of like my lofty expectations. But that was the worst part of losing my account. Like, yeah, the followers, whatever, the interactions, it is what it is. But I always tried to use it for good and try and circle back and and get the most out of it and do the most positive thing that I could with it. So that was the the biggest bummer. Uh, So hopefully we can kind of build it back to where it had been on threads because, you know, Elon's got like, three people working over at Twitter, they're not going to hear my case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's great. That's great. well. And talk, yeah. talking
2: about that, that account real quick with Amaha Mario. I mean that, and Mario shouldn't know this, but he will know now he was one of the reasons why I actually got into like talking about the Broncos and starting to write about the Broncos. Cause yeah, when I was first so cool. getting out of, when I was getting out of high school, you know, and I couldn't play college basketball. I had to figure out certain stuff to do because of the pandemic and everything closing down. So interacting with people like Sayer and then now Mario at the time uh, back then, it really like built my confidence and stuff to really like start going to like, hey, maybe these interactions can really make me go somewhere. So actually Mario was one of the first people like Sayre to really get me into like fully going to the Broncos. And then also he did a huge favor for me and got that Jerry Judy jersey signed. And I'll never forget that. <laughs> and that's why he'll always be my boy.
0: Hey, man, it's 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 all love. And I I had no idea that honestly, that warms my heart, dude. And that's that means more to me than you know. I'm a big time helper. And I know that's not always conveyed with the way that I behave myself on social media all the time. <laughs> uh, but it, like, if you're a good person, I will go to the ends of the earth for you. And I could tell you were a good dude with a good heart. And man, like, I'm, I'm trying not to get choked up. Ever since I became a dad, I'm way more emotional about shit. You know, like, like i cry more about dumb things so i'm trying not to get too emotional here because we have a very <laughs> serious show to do but i i, I really appreciate appreciate you sharing that with me jordan that's that's awesome man i'm so glad i'm so glad that i had even like a small hand in that i appreciate you I sharing it. that
2: always
1: hey you, you got to tell him to frame that thing and put it up on it for the in the, the backdrop of the episode man is it, oh is it up there
2: no, no, it will no. be, it will be, it
1: will be, oh, it will be, it will be, got you, I got you. Okay. I was going to say, okay. I was going to say. Look, man, you got, he's got,
0: he's got Vaughn and Peyton, you know, can't really yeah. argue. But see, oh, maybe, yeah. you gotta, maybe you got to, maybe you got to put it up there. And that's what's keeping Jerry from having his breakout season. You know what I'm saying? You got to, you got to yeah. mix up the juju a little bit, like keep up Peyton. <laughs> but like Vaughn currently, that's bad juju, man, because right. he's a bill, right? So when Vaughn sure? retires, hang it back up. But yeah, switch that out with Jerry Judy, and then he's going to go for 1,312 tutties this year.
2: That's true. Mario knows how much I love Jerry Judy, so that will be a a new fix on the next episode.
0: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, that's awesome.
1: Obviously for you guys that don't know, he has like a a full Jerry Judy signed jersey that's literally like dedicated straight to him. That's, that's literally like the best that anything, any kind of memorabilia we have on this show easily. Um, but yeah, like uh, Mario said, let's get into the serious part of the show. Um, Uh, Like I said, um, like with the off season and everything, you know, the moves of Ben powers, Mike McGlinchey uh, solidifying the offensive line all the way to the draft trading up for Marvin Mims, like all in all. And then obviously the biggest move, the off season trading for a trading first round pick and other picks for uh, Sean Payton, the new head coach who seems to be uh, the big piece that the Broncos needed. It's been a while since uh, Gary Kubiak, the Broncos have had a solidified proven head coach um, and they're getting one of the better uh, play cars in NFL history. So Mario, my question for you is, what do you think about this offseason? Does it feel different as opposed to other offseasons? Do you feel like it's safe to be excited for this upcoming offseason uh, upcoming season? Or are you kind of staying in the realm of being more uh, cautious, cautiously optimistic?
0: Here's the thing, man. I've always been like obnoxiously optimistic, right? Like following the Super Bowl, I think everybody kind of low-key knew where this team was at, like, maybe they compete, but they're not a Super Bowl contender after we lost Peyton Manning, right? Like, that's just how it was. And I I always went out of my way to convince myself and convince other people that the Broncos are going to be good, that they're going to make the playoffs, that they're going to be a contender, do whatever it takes, right? And think about where we were at last year as fans. We're going into training camp. The the two things that we needed – were an offensive-minded or a a better head coach and a quarterback, right? Like, that's what every single Broncos fan had kind of accepted, and I wasn't thrilled about the Hackett hire, but you know, I I, I came to be okay with it at like this point last year because I'm like, you know what? It's not going to matter. He could just let Russell Wilson cook, and he can kind of get in where he fits in, and it'll be fine. He's going to be better than Fangio because Fangio was a dickhead, and none of the players liked him because <laughs> you know he was like he was like the curmudgeon father that that never hugged his son right? Like all the boomers, like the reason that they have such a hard time tapping into their emotions is because their dads didn't hug him. That was Vic Fangio. But then you got the other side of the spectrum where you had Nathaniel Hackett and Nathaniel Hackett just wanted to be buddies. And it's like, again, as a new dad and I'm figuring out this parenting thing, being a parent is really similar to being a head coach. Your children slash players have to respect you, but they also have to like but like get along with you and buy into what you're saying. If you're their buddy and your friend, they're not going to respect you. And if you're too much of an asshole, like how Vic Fangio was, they're not going to listen to you and they're going to rebel. So we saw both ends of the spectrum, and it seems like Sean Payton certainly has that balance. So I'm way more excited. But, man, how excited were we last year, guys? I thought for sure last year, like, this is a Super Bowl team. They're they're going to chance to win the AFC West. We're finally going to beat the the – effing Chiefs, right? Maybe we get out of the first round, like maybe not quite a Super Bowl team, but my expectations were as high as they could possibly be. And then it's like, as this season went on, you're thinking to yourself, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. And then it never did. We just kept waiting. And I think it was after the Indy game. I'm like, eff it, like this sucks. This this is not going to get better. So I'm I'm trying my best to temper my expectations. And again, I think, the most important thing that needed to happen was they actually brought in a head coach who who had some sort of pedigree, who had some experience because the roster is there. And I know I'm always looking through orange colored glasses and there, and there are some holes and we can certainly talk about that later, but this roster is solid. Like the individuals on this roster, it's good enough to compete. Like maybe not for a Super Bowl yet, but certainly to be a double digit win team. So like I'm cautiously optimistic, but it's like, I don't think my heart can take no more, okay? I get my expectations up too high, like, we're bad again this year, I don't know what I'm going to (laughs) do.
1: Oh, that's hilarious.
2: Yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, and when you bring in someone like Sean Payne, I mean, I, I, like for me, I'm always optimistic too. And someone like Sean Payne, a head coach that I wanted to begin with, yeah, I've always wanted like a CEO type head coach. And I, I didn't see that with Nathaniel Hackett it's hard not to be optimistic. And listen, I, I love the, the players on our roster too. I think they're talented. I just think we need the right coach to bring the talent out of them, really get that potential out of them. And I am hoping, and I think that Sean Payne will do that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic as well, but yeah, I'm, I'm staying with you, Mario. <laughs> and uh, how temper the excitement? <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Especially after what we went through last year, I feel like a lot of fans are just like, and it's the fun, the the funny thing about it is like this, this roster is obviously much better than it was last year. Even from a depth standpoint, I feel like certain areas you can make the question that it's not, but like the coaching staff, the roster, um, the front office, even it feels like everything is just much more better. There's more experience. um, There's more continuity with like everything that they're, they're uh, doing. Um, and even though there's a lot of fresh faces, it feels like we can be a lot more confident. But at the same time, a lot of fans are tempering their expectations because this could, this could eventually be like the seventh, eighth year in a row that it's been just nothing but disappointment. So, um, I understand where fans are coming from. I'm still excited for the season. I'm expecting the playoffs this year. And I do feel like I'm a lot more confident in that just because the, the jump from Nathaniel Hackett to Sean Payton, honestly. So, Mario, how are you feeling about, um, training camp going forward with uh obviously this is the uh title of the episode in terms of camp battles uh, between wider receiver corner we've talked a lot about on this podcast about how tough those competitions are going to be um how are you feeling about these uh, specific uh like what do you have your eye uh, looking out for uh here coming up in training camp uh, and will you be attending to see these uh camp battles in person
0: yeah, so I, I I will be at a few of them, uh, thankfully, since I know some of the players, they hook me up with like the, the friends and family little passes so I can sit there in the shade. But I got to say, guys, being in there like is cool and all, and sometimes they have food and, you know, sometimes I'm like two feet away from Sierra and that's pretty dope. But I would rather watch practice from from the grassy hill right? Cause you could actually see everything. So there are times like when we're in that tent, when they're on the opposite field, you can't really see anything. So I, I'd rather be with the people, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to separate myself from anyone anymore. Like I'm going to be a man of the people this year. Uh, I got tickets. I don't even know what day. And I think I got like tickets for three or four different days. And I figured if I can't go, I'll just give them away, like do a little giveaway or try and sneak away from the office and make it. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try and go to as many as possible. It's just the schedule's tough, like with my with what I'm doing at work at the office and everything. So, uh, mm-hmm. I'll definitely get to one or two for sure. Now, in terms of camp battles, I want to talk about like two specifically because I think there's going to be more than we than we think. Uh, and one of them's going to be really obvious that I want to bring up, and the other one I think is going to be very under the radar. Uh, and the first one is the wide receiver group. There are going to be uh, like several very good wide receivers that don't make this team, right? And I think yeah. that we know there are four guys who are like unequivocally 100% going to make this team, and it's going to be Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Mims. They traded up for Mims; he's not going anywhere. They're obviously not going to put him on the practice squad. You know, we all know Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Jerry Judy. That those are like your big three, right? Outside of that, I think it's a logjam. So we have to keep in mind that Sean Payton didn't necessarily pick any of these guys. He inherited them. So that's why he brought in uh, Lil Jordan Humphrey and Callaway, And then, you know, they had drafted Montrell, Washington last year. Uh, Kendall Hinton always seems to hang around and has been like a very reliable wide receiver. And then what do you do with Jalen Virgil or Brandon Johnson? Like, There are a lot of really good wide receivers. And of course, like KJ Hamler, I would be shocked if KJ Hamler like gets released. I think if anything, they're going to try and showcase him in the preseason and like maybe increase his trade value. I hope that doesn't happen because KJ is my guy and I love him dearly. But if we're if we're being honest about it, like that's probably where they're going right now, unless he balls out of control. And that Sean Payton offense always needs a deep threat. Then I see KJ Hamler making that team, but that's the position battle that I'm most excited for because having too many good receivers like that, that's a good problem to have. So after your big three, who's going to be that fourth guy? Like, will it be Mims? Will it be Hamler? Will it be one of the young guys that was on their roster last year? Some of them will be on the practice squad, of course, but this is a really, really deep room. And, there are going to be a lot of very difficult decisions and some very, very difficult cuts when we get to that point. Now, the position group that I'm really interested to see that maybe has flown under the radar is the off-ball linebacker. So Mm -hmm. they bring back Josie Jewell. Jonas Griffith is coming back. They bring back Alex Singleton. I thought that was like a really good re-signing. Josie and Singleton seem like they work incredibly well together. And I think when Jonas is on the field, he's a difference maker. But everything that I've been hearing about Drew Sanders, guys, is that he is an absolute monster. Big dude, like 6'4", runs like a gazelle. I'm not going to compare him to Micah Parsons, but I think that might be the role that they carve out for him, where he's an off-ball linebacker but they're going to have him rush. Like, there will be situations where he's going to rush and blitz because when he started at Alabama, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was an edge rusher. Yeah. And then he transferred to Arkansas and he became more of, like, an off-ball linebacker who blitzed a lot. And so, I like, I, th- I think this is going to look really good with the Vance Joseph defense. Like, he likes to bring pressure, and if you get a guy, like, if Drew Sanders can actually figure it out, Because if you remember Alexander Johnson, and I know these were different defenses, but Fangio blitzed with him a lot, right? And it seemed like he always just ran into a guy. Like, the amount of times that Alexander Johnson blitzed and how many times it it actually resulted in pressure or a sack, the disparity was massive. Drew Sanders seems like the dude that actually knows how to blitz, and he's not just, like, running into a brick wall, right? So we're going into this camp assuming that Singleton and Josie are the starters. And like that's, that's a very solid starting duo in terms of off-ball linebacker. But from what I'm hearing, like Drew Sanders could easily, easily play himself into a starting role by week one against the, the Raiders.
2: Yeah, and we've heard nothing but great stuff about Drew Sanders in the offseason and all the training and the mini camps and all that, which is great. And it, it is going to be interesting because it does sound like Drew Sanders is an absolute freak. And if he is one, if he does become one of those players that we think he can be, then this defense, is, the sky's the limit for this defense. And for on your point with the wide receivers, because I'm a big receiver guy, man, the the back end of the wide receiver is going to be very interesting. Because like how you said, there's none of Peyton's guys, right? He just inherited, them, like you said. So like he brought in guys like Callaway and little Jordan Humphrey. So it's going to be interesting how the back end of that position is going to shape up. And with KJ Hamler, man. With everything he's been dealing with and stuff, and I've heard some stuff that, you know, he's been publicly saying, I wish him nothing but the best. And if he really turns it around, it's gonna be a great story when he comes back.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you see, you see everything that with him on the podcast. And by the way, shout out to the Full Circle Podcast. I talk with the uh, the co- well, not the co host, the host of that podcast. An absolute incredible human being, man. Seriously. Um Shout out to him and everything he's doing, changing not only like the the future of you know generations, but the youth as we look at look at it right now, and kind of getting stories out there and to see like a, a Broncos starting receiver from last year and previous years to come out and say something like this, it's gonna make people uh you know more comfortable um you know coming to their senses and um you know just speaking about how they feel rather than just making it such an enclosed thing like how it has been especially with men's mental health like a lot a lot of people are afraid to you know really come out and you know we're all humans and it, it doesn't matter what gender you are or what you are that we're all humans and we have feelings and to see like a figure of his uh, stature to come out and say something like that like it just it just gives more hope uh for for the future so shout out to that podcast shout out to kj hamler i know as a very very uh you know vulnerable thing to come out and say but i'm just really rooting for the guy man and that and that's a perfect intro And what i want to talk about is uh keja hamler versus little jordan humphrey and i think this is going to be a really really good battle i think this is going to be kind of that featured battle you can throw in kendall Hinton and mantra washington in there um i feel like those are the guys that are really battling for like that last spot um you know those last few spots on that uh in that wide receiver room um it's gonna be a bit. It's gonna be a big uh, battle because you know KJ Hamler is gonna have his flashes where he makes big plays downfield. Then also Kendall Henson's a very reliable receiver. I think honestly Kendall Henson's probably like your underrated guy. Like, like him and Lil Jordan Humphrey, I feel like are really really under the radar this uh, upcoming training camp. Lil Jordan Humphrey's gonna he's gonna make plays on special teams. He's an incredible gun. Um, he's this many times in uh, his times, the uh, New England downy punts inside the 10. Just being an incredible special team or something I feel like the other receivers don't provide as much as he does. And then you go to Montreal, Washington. That's what he was supposed to be for the Broncos, is that the key contributor on special teams. And he just hasn't panned out in terms of returning and uh, kicks and punts. And maybe he can bounce back from that and be a better return to this upcoming season. Maybe he wins the job and surprises everybody. But as of now, I don't see that. I feel like uh, James Palmer already alluded to the Broncos having a vision for Marvin Mims as a starting punt returner come week one and then the maybe uh, Tremont Smith returns kicks that it could really go a multitude of ways, but um, yeah, those four receivers, I feel like you got to have your eyes on. It's going to be kind of like a four way competition between those guys. But I've spoken, uh, I spoke in on our last episode with Ryan McFadden, and I feel like KJ Hamler. I would prefer like him and little Jordan Humphrey to make the roster just because of Humphrey's special teams ability, and then KJ Hamler. I feel like you got to see what you get out of him on his last year, and then like Mario alluded to, maybe you can get some uh, trade value. I hate to admit it, but maybe you can get some uh, some trade value out of him before the trade deadline. What I want to touch on next, uh, so obviously uh, you mentioned, we mentioned uh, the wide receivers off all linebackers, that was a really interesting one, I haven't even thought about too much um, and then Jordan, you mentioned a corner um, before this episode um, which I think is a really, really interesting discussion do you want to tell, you want to uh, give kind of your thoughts on that and um, potentially I know Art Green, Delonte Hood who we've had on the show, he's really, really fast ball uh, corner, really rooting for that, uh, really rooting for him can't wait to see him at training camp But um, well, you want to talk about like the back half, half of that depth chart because it's arguably almost as good as the back half of the of the wide receiver depth chart
2: yeah so it's kind of like the wide receivers and like there's four like guaranteed spots in the corners we got you know obviously pastor tan k1 williams damari smith and Riley moss who we've been hearing a lot of good things about um it's kind of just that the back end of that that position group that's kind of up in the air we have players like art green like like you just mentioned uh delante hood who we have uh we've had on the show before and it looks like he's been doing good in training uh, mini camp as well. Um Jaquan McMillan, Tremont Smith, ba- Sang Bassi. So there's a couple guys there that could be good pieces in the back end. It just depends on the, who plays better. And uh I would like to hear Mario's thoughts on this.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because you're right. The the top end of the corners is, is solidified, right? And thankfully, we don't have to get too bogged down into the details because we have a passer tan, right? And we're the only team that gets to say that. And like before before I get like into, into what the depth chart is going to look like, I just want to throw this out there, see what you guys think. I'm interested to see how they use passer tan. So are you just going to line him up with their wide receiver one week to week, which is honestly what I would do. I think that's what the best corners in the game do but then there's another line of thinking that you keep him on the right side, which I'm pretty sure like that was the majority uh, side that he was on. You let him mm-hmm. shut down whoever's over there. So like, let's say when Minnesota comes to town, you're worried about Justin Jefferson, put him on Addison, the whole game or whoever split out wide, right? And then you double, maybe sometimes triple team, Justin Jefferson, you bracket cover him. That's the other line of thinking, right? So I'm, I'm interested to see again, like if it's up to me, I'm saying Pat, You stick to Jay Jetta's like glue. Like, do not let that dude out of your sight. It's just you and him. You're not going to have hardly any safety help because 10 other guys are going to be elsewhere. Like, that's what I'm doing because Pastor Tan is capable of doing it. But I'm interested to see how Vance Joseph is going to use that because he's such a unique chess piece. He could literally do anything. But yeah, looking looking at the depth chart after the four that you mentioned, like, I've I've always loved D. St. Bassey. I don't know what it is. I love the way that he plays. And he's had such a wild ride in his short NFL career so far. Like, made the team as an undrafted rookie. Looked good as an undrafted rookie. in that Fangio defense in 2020 in limited time got released. like, And I think they tried to sign him back to the practice squad, or they did. And then the Chargers signed them to their active roster. And then they released him, so then he came back to Denver. And then I remember, literally, like, we were three days uh during the off season where i was like "Isang, are you coming back to denver like please sign back If they're not giving you enough money i'll start a go fund me and we'll help raise the rest of it and he's like nah man like i you know i, th- I think i just want to have like a like a better opportunity or whatever like i don't think i'm coming back i'm like oh man that's too bad two days later he resigns i text him i was like really dude <laughs> you, you couldn't tell me that you were coming back and he's like hey man NFL free agency shit changes really fast. I was like, yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm a huge Bassy fan. Honestly, I really like McMillan a lot too. Like, I think what he's shown in a limited amount of time, and I've heard really good things about him. He seems to have a really high ceiling if he can if he can kind of clean some stuff up. So, yeah, like after those top four, man, like I could see four or five different guys kind of vying for those for those spots. And I'm also interested to see like how many corners they keep, because if you're already keeping four, I mean, mm-hmm. do you do you keep more than that? Like you you at least keep four. Maybe you keep five. But then you look at the safety position. If we're talking about secondary, it's like P.J. Locke has to make the team. Kareem Jackson's making the team. And then obviously Kaden and Justin Simmons are making the team. But then they also have JL Skinner here. What do you do with him? Do you start him on the pup? Do you keep him on the practice squad? Like that's that's five really good safeties now that you have to be concerned about. So at this point, like it's it's very exciting that they have this depth. Like they have a lot of depth at wide receiver, corner, and safety. But then the sobering realization that we're going to get to as we get through camp is like you're going to come to love some of these dudes who will not make the team. And that's really difficult because there will be a lot of good players that do not make this active roster that are not one of the 53 guys that are there week one.
1: Yeah, I want to go back to uh, what you said about Pastor Tan because uh, I actually read a, read up on this a little bit. I think it's a really interesting topic of discussion. Discussion. Uh, so I think it was uh, Chuck Pagano, uh, the former Colt Tech coach, actually recently spoke about uh, Vance Joseph and his defense, and what he he uh, envisions and what he's going to run here in Denver. And he actually talked a lot about how he sees uh, he he heavily expects Pass Retain to be that guy that follows follows around like a, a Devonte Adams follows around follows around uh, you know uh, Justin Jefferson, whoever it's going to be. Um, and honestly, my take on it is I, that's what I want to see. I, I feel like it goes back to what we were talking about with with Sean Payton utilizing your players to your skill sets to their their uh their abilities to match up with the best player across from them and i feel like that's when when you talk about jerry judy using him as that uh, at the x receiver that the receiver to get in one-on-one matchups or man coverage isolate him whatever wherever you need him to that's when jerry judy is at his best i feel like that's what you got to do with Passer tan i mean i feel like he's, he's at, um, at his best when he's at his best competition but there's also cons to it because i feel like um whenever you're putting Pastor Tan always with the be- the best receiver, and I don't feel like it's going to be like that every single play, but, like, when you're putting Damari Mathis or Riley Moss with the team's, like, second or third best receiver, I will not say it hurts their, like, progression or, like, hurts their development. But at the same time, like, players like Damari Mathis last season – really, really benefited from playing players like Mike Williams and certain like plays during that Chargers game. Like he had a huge pass breakup. But if Pat Sertan was on him the entire game, he wouldn't be able to have plays like that where he's lining up against at the time the Chargers receiver. So um I feel like there is it. Um I would like to see these guys like, get their opportunities to line up against like a Devontae. I know I'm crazy for saying that but I would like to see like, Damari Mathis maybe line up against a you know what a top 10 you know receiver at, at times like to see what we can get out of him and see what he can really be because I don't know just to me like if if Demari Mathis is always playing like the the second best receiver on the team and I know he's the second best corner on our team I just feel like it might not you know take his development to where we want to see it to go but then to, then again you got to look at it like he's only in his he's only going to be in his second year in his in his career so like he still has a lot of time to learn i don't see demar mathis going anywhere for the next you know two two to three even four years so
0: you want to throw him in the deep end and make sure he can swim i dig it
1: yeah Exactly. That That's kind of where my mindset is. And then Riley Moss, we're going to want to see him next year after this upcoming season have his opportunity to show that he can line up with the best and be one of the better corners and the reason why we traded up for him. So um, that's just kind of my uh, thought process there. And then you brought up uh, – we brought up the you know the bottom half of that depth chart. Really good competitions right there. Uh, really, those I, I would say like the two guys that I'm rooting for the most are Jaquan Mc, uh, McMillan and uh, Delonte Hood, two guys with really high-end potential um, – Delonte Hood, man. At the end of the day, he just like a he's like athletic freak, and to to see what he can potentially do in Vance Joseph secondary, uh, learning from guys uh, like Passer Tan. Um, and then obviously Damari Mathis has a year over him. It would be, or no, they're actually came into the NFL the same season. So, um, that, that would just be really cool to see the chemistry, the chemistry that they can uh, eventually develop. Um, I've grown really close to a uh, hood. So that would be uh, really cool to see him on the field this uh,
0: upcoming season. But um, if, if, he's, if he's, if he's looking for somebody to, to take care of his body and make sure that he gets through camp, man, like you just feel free to give him my number. Oh, absolutely.
1: I'll actually hit him up right <laughs> after this, man. Right Perfect. after this. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So um, yeah, though, that's kind of a recap of our uh, camp battles. I know we uh, talked about a kicker on our last episode. They're going to bring in another kicker to a battle with Elliot Fry. I assume um, that'll be a really interesting situation to see how that plays out. My prediction is still, I feel like Elliot Fry is not going to be the week one kicker. I feel like they're looking at other uh, options that could potentially be let go in the uh, coming weeks or months. Um, we'll see how that plays out. Um, but one of my last questions for you today, Mario Um Obviously, like I mentioned uh, earlier in the episode, you've met with a lot of Broncos players. You just mentioned how um, I'm going to get Delonte Hood to work with you eventually. Um, You've met met with a lot of Broncos players. Um, Do you have any cool stories or anything? uh, I I know you've met with a lot of big-time Broncos. you got to have some uh, interesting uh, meetups with these guys. Uh,
0: The one that I always go to, and I've told the story a lot, but it's my favorite, so I'm just going to go ahead and run with it. So, When I was about to go into my final year of college, and I was at home for the summer, uh, we're at like the original office that my dad used to work at, which was like two offices ago, and it was shortly after the uh, the 2010 NFL draft, right? And I walk into the office, and it was again, it was it was during my summer break, and I come in there, and there's Demaryius Thomas, and this dude looks every every. Is 6'3", 225 pounds. And, you know, at first, like, I kind of saw him from the side. I didn't see his face. And I'm like, is this guy a tight end or is he an edge rusher? Like, who is this? Like, no, that's our new wide receiver. So the way that the way that the CBA worked back then, if you were a holdout as a draft pick, like the team would pay for you to stay in a hotel in the city that you were drafted in until it was time to sign your contract. If you were a holdout, which actually more often than not was the result of the agent trying to get more money for the player and then in turn getting themselves more money, that they would no longer pay for the hotel, right? So once they were a holdout, the team was not able to give them any money. Demarius came from nothing, really had nothing. And so while like that day that he was in the office, Rod Smith also happened to be in there, right? And he was kind of talking to him, and Rod was coaching up. It was one of the coolest things I've ever witnessed because here's Rod Smith, the greatest Broncos wide receiver of all time, coaching up the guy who would eventually become arguably the greatest Broncos receiver of all time. And so my dad being the guy that he did, you know, Demarius is saying he didn't really have anywhere to stay. He thought maybe he would stay with one of his teammates. And my dad's like, just come stay at our house. Just come stay in our basement. You'll have, you know, the whole place to yourself. You can come and go as you please. And because Rod Smith was in there, and he and my dad went way back, like my dad was the official chiropractor uh in 1998 when they won Super Bowl 33, right? And Rod mm-hmm. Smith was one of the guys that kind of helped get him the job, went to Pat Bowl and said, We need to hire this guy. So they go way back. So Rod Smith being in the office told Demarius, like, there's no distractions, you know, you're gonna have all the privacy that you want. Like, go stay with Dr. V. And he's like, All right, sure, why not? And so for about a week and a half. Demarius Thomas lived in our basement while he was holding out and like waiting to sign his rookie contract. And probably the best part, um, again, like I was, I was up at CU Boulder. It was our summer break, and one of my buddies at the house that I was living in, uh, or was going to live in the following year, was having a party, and I was like, "Oh, can I invite Demarius Thomas?" And they're like, "That's hilarious, Mario." Yeah. Yeah, go ahead and invite Demarius Thomas. I was like, "Okay, I will." And I'm going to see if he wants to party with us. Like, all these white boys in CU Boulder are going to show Demarius Thomas how to play beer pong and party. <laughs> and so I invited him and it it wasn't really Demarius's scene, right? He, he's like, "Eh, man, thanks for the thanks for the invite, but like I'm just going to lay low." I was like, "All right, man, no problem." And later on that day, like one of the players that he was he had gotten close with and he was friends with got traded. And he's like, "You know what?" And he's having a hard time with these you know i'll come up with you i was like all right do you want to do you want to let loose a little bit like i can be the dd and he's like nah i don't really drink like i'll drive i was like all right so demarius thomas is like it was some of my buddies and and myself and here's demarius thomas is basically our our uber driver right he's our he's our dd so we get up there and i swear we walk into this house and you can hear the record scratch right Because uh, CU Boulder is not the most diverse place, okay? If somebody looking like Demarius Thomas walks in, you kind of figure that he's somebody important. So we walk into the door. People kind of like look over. And one of my good friends I was up there, he was affectionately known as Drunk Mitch. And he was living up to his nickname. He looks at Demarius. He goes, oh, my God, it's Dexter Fowler it's like bro what i mean he's he's wearing a Rockies hat and so like that's what, and DeMaris is like what do you say i was like ah oh, he's a black guy that plays for the Rockies don't worry about it so we go i go put our name on the beer pong list and he's like no 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 he's like i don't want to wait and i was like oh okay we'll let him know and then he's like hey can we get next and they're like oh oh yes yes sir DeMaris like absolutely you can and so we run the table and, and Demarius was like handing his drinks to other people. He's like, I'm the DD here. Just going up to random people, like when they made a cup, if it was his turn, he's like, I'm the DD. You drink it. You drink it. And so we ran the table for like six or seven games. And the best part, like DT was so big and his arms were so long, like he slowly started going over the table, like a little bit more each time to the point where he was deliberately messing with the guys. Because you know that the people on the other side of the table are not going to call Demarius Thomas for elbows, right? So by the time we're on the fifth or sixth game, this dude is big-ass arms, is halfway across the table, damn near just dropping the ball into the cup. And nobody wants to say anything. They're kind of looking at me like, hey, he can't do that. I'm like, say something. He's right here. Go ahead and tell him. And the other thing that he did that night, like when we were finally done and he's he's really shy, like I could tell it wasn't his scene. And, you know, he was taking pictures with people. And he was a good sport. And he was, of course, chatting with some of the Bronco fans. And, you know, some of my friends got a little bit too drunk and got a little bit too close. And they're like, I'm friends with Tiberius Thomas. It's like, no, he's just very polite. Uh, but one thing that he did that night when people would go to take shots, uh, he would just go up and grab their arm when they tried to take the chaser. So somebody would take a shot and then go to chase it. And Demaryius's big ass hand would come and stop them from taking the chaser. And he did this to just random people all night. Like he would sneak up from behind him and just grab their arm. So they're going to the chaser and they're like, oh, no, please, Mr. Thomas, please don't do this. (laughs) It was just like the funniest thing. And then he just so happened to the following day uh sign his his Broncos contract so it was like the the last day that he was officially not a Denver Bronco uh he partied with me and a bunch of my buddies up at CU Boulder so it was an absolute blast and and maybe the funniest thing is like I had a blast right but I was also not the DD so I had way more fun than Demarius did so we're driving back that night and i was like, hey man did you have fun how much fun is Boulder and he's like, yeah, it was okay. It was a little boring. And I was like, good, because you're about to sign a multi-million dollar contract. You don't need to be having too much fun yet anyway.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's that awesome. that's awesome, man. I haven't even heard that before. Yeah, E.T., all your rest in that heaven, man, seriously. Uh, a, lot of the, a lot of fan base, I'm sure, like, like to hear that story. He didn't just hear you talk about how, like, he polite. He was with the fans and everybody. And just not mean just fans, just, like, humans in general. He was a genuinely – a uh, uh, kind soul to everybody. So that that was a definitely a thank you for sharing that, Mario, seriously.
0: Absolutely. Um, That's always the one I go to because I just, I love Demarius and he's just the best. He was the best, guys. Man, just the, the greatest dude.
2: Yeah. And then uh, on my end, it would be malpractice if I did not ask you one last question and obviously it would be about Jerry Judy. Obviously, I've been fortunate enough to be yeah. in a lot of locker rooms with, you know, a lot of Unfortunately, a lot of NFL players and now college football players that hopefully will get drafted one day. How is Jerry Judy like as someone that is living in Miami and South Florida? I got to you know, I have a lot of friends a lot of football friends around the area. So how is Jerry Judy like? What are you expecting from the season? What's up with my boy?
0: Ever since he was a rookie, I had Sky high expectations for Jerry Judy. And it just seemed like every single year there was something that like just some hurdle that was in his way, like something holding him back. And I know he's a professional athlete and we don't want to make excuses for these guys, but sometimes we have to call a spade a spade every single year there's there's just been something there's been some factor that has just held him back from his full potential and we finally finally got to see like the glimmer of it towards the end of the year last year it's like that's what we want to see that's the jerry judy that we knew was going to be so damn good when he was drafted right so now that they have sean payton and again if we're if we're looking at the offense that he runs again it's another storyline to follow like Is is Jerry Judy going to play that Mike Thomas role where he's getting 200 targets for the season or upwards of 150, 175, whatever targets like is he going to get the lion's share? Because if he is that guy and they use him as the possession receiver to to move the chains and for the big plays and in the red zone and like find ways to get him one on one and isolated with the DB so that he could just go to work. I don't think that it's unreasonable to think that he could get to 1500 yards. I don't think that happens because I think they're going to spread the ball out a little bit more. This is a very expensive wide receiver room. And I think part of it, like part of the process this year is going to be Sean Payton kind of figuring out who he wants to move forward with as he moves forward as the Broncos head coach. Like, Are they going to retain Sutton? Are they going to retain Tim Patrick? Are they going to retain KJ Hamler? Because really, like, looking at next year, the only two solidified receivers that we're looking at are going to be Jerry, Judy, and Mims, right? So I think they're going to spread the ball out a little bit and, like, just so he can see what they have. But in my opinion, like, Jerry, Judy is so good. Like, just put him on the outside, let him work, throw him the damn ball, and that's all you need to do. So if they do that, like, realistically, I would say 1,200 yards, maybe seven or eight touchdowns, I think that would be a fantastic year. And don't lose sight of the fact that this is, like, his big money year. Like, this is his true contract year. They picked up his fifth-year option. He knows that this is the year that he has the chance to make, like, big boy money, right? Make that money that guys like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, dudes that were drafted around the same time as him, C.D. Lamb, uh that the kind of contracts that they are going to get right so my then it's and it stays the same like my expectations for jerry judy are absolutely sky high this year
1: yeah and reasonably so i mean you look at everything from sean payton what he's wanting to do with him we're already hearing that he wants to make him like the vocal this this was in game alongside uh greg like, Dools. so um it's pretty obvious, and we're hearing about being hard on him, and um, they're already talking about how they want to design plays to get the best out of uh, Jerry Judy. And you know, it's kind of like what Sean Payton was talking about earlier uh, before he was even hired about uh, hired for the as the Broncos head coach. He's basically talking about you know playing the best uh, the best tapes on the uh, the album for Russell Wilson to make him um, you know the best uh, artist out there, and they're gonna do the same thing for Jerry, for Jerry Judy. Um, uh, however, he used that uh, figurative language there. But uh, Mario, thank you so much for being on today's episode. It was a great one um, from training from training camp all the way to uh, trolling uh, your your boy Patrick Kioti. Um, I told you Patrick up. Chiodi
0: couldn't touch me on this show. I freaking <laughs> killed this show. Red circles around this fool. Red laps around this fool. He could not touch me with a 10-foot pole. I'm so far out of his league. I'm so far above his league. Patrick Chiodi, you're not even in my stratosphere, dog. You need to step your game up.
1: <laughs> oh, we got to get we gotta get Pat back on. This is going to become a series. We're just going t- so to be overdoing each other.
0: What's up, Pat?
1: What's up, Pat? You like this, Pat? Oh, but- this you know is what? Big After, Daddy we need, Pat. We need to get all. We need to get both you guys on the show at the same time. That will That'd be awesome. the best. That That'd would be, awesome. be the
0: best. Everybody's um, laptops would burst into flames. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it, would, it would just be you guys screaming the entire time. The entire Not time. It would
0: be a mess. See, we actually we used to we used to do. Um, what's the what's Cody Rourke show that he does? He used to have us on there. He didn't, he didn't have us on there anymore, man, because every time that he had me and Pat, it became the Pat Mario show and uh, locked on. Yeah, every time locked on would become the, the the Mario and Pat show. And so, you know, Cody just didn't want to have us on anymore, but that's OK. So I appreciate that you guys accept and embrace that challenge of us two knuckleheads on the same show at the same time.
1: <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, for no. it. yeah Pat, yeah, Pat. Uh, not to say that he talks a lot, but he definitely talks a lot. But everything that he's saying that that he is saying um, is is great to hear. <laughs> I just
0: had to say that. Some but, of it, some wow. of it's stupid though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, don't don't lie about being about heard about Damian Lillard. Seriously, he's one of the, he's one of the, easily the greatest uh, franchise players uh, in t- in uh, tra- Trail Blazers history. So you know Tell that's Pat Pat I said that he's now. like
0: ten times better than Brandon Roy. Roy was a bum. Oh, my Damn. God. Damn. Damn. Going Damn. To the throat. That's Brandon Roy.
1: Oh, it's my like, gosh. like
0: Odin, Roy, turds. <laughs>
1: oh man but uh yeah so i wanted to write uh, recap everything with the episode i recap everything real quickly so i will be at training camp for uh, those of you guys that don't know i announced on my twitter and instagram i'll be there uh, the 31st the first and the second so um anybody there uh wanting to come over and say hi that'll be uh that'll be a great time i'll be over there giving you guys coverage and all that um and we're linking to chicago right Oh yeah, that is happening. That is happening. We will both be at the uh, the Bears and Broncos game, so I got your first I round. I completely doc. forgot about that. Yes, sir. <laughs> oh my gosh. That yeah, that'll be a, a really good time um yeah just really excited i'm gonna be going to my first training camp this year my first broncos game this year so it, and obviously the podcast taking off this year getting a lot of coverage out for you guys um so 2023 has definitely been a great year but the crazy thing about it is we're only uh just over halfway through it so plenty more episodes to go over plenty more coverage um but once again man uh mario thanks for being on today's show thanks for taking t- time out of your day i know we're all busy nowadays especially during the summer so uh, it was a great time man seriously
0: I appreciate you guys so much for having me been looking forward to it. And literally any time that I can, I can, you know, cut away and, and do a show with you guys, anything that you guys need, you let me know. And I got you.
2: The man Mario, the man
1: all the time and mile high mario himself uh well so uh if you guys are enjoying if you guys enjoyed today's episode on uh, youtube make sure you guys uh, hit the like button and subscribe all that is greatly appreciated make sure you guys leave a comment what you guys think about the episode who do you guys want to see on the episode next you guys want to see pat and mario uh, dish it out and uh dish each other live on the show uh on here and in the future that'll be a great time um let us know what you guys uh, think about that who you guys want to see on the show like i mentioned if you guys are listening on spotify apple podcast make sure you guys follow leave a five-star rating, and most importantly, turn on notifications so you never miss an episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. But I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I'm your host, Amir, with my co-host, Jordan Lopez, and today's special guest, Mario Ventanza. Until the next episode, peace. Peace.